0: Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Enhance your everyday with Via Hemp. Again, if you're 21 and over, you can get 15% off plus a free pack of award winning gummies with our exclusive code, msheet at viahemp.com. That's V I A H E M P.com. Okay, it's time to commit.
2: Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit SleepingDogsMovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's SleepingDogsMovie.com slash Wondery.
0: Content warning. This whole episode contains discussion of the murder of two children, as well as horrible topics like obscene phone calls, sexual harassment, child sexual abuse materials, and child molestation. It also contains profanity. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Also, before we begin this week, we wanted to flag something with you all. We are going to be delving into the personal information of two men who have not been charged with any crimes directly connected with the Delphi murders. Kagan Klein has been all but publicly named as a person of interest by the police. His father, Tony Klein, has not once been mentioned by police. Not in the public sphere, at least. We reached out to him for comment, but he just blocked Kevin on Facebook. In a past episode of the Murder Sheet, We criticized another podcast for theorizing, with little concrete evidence in our view, that a Delphi case witness was responsible for the murders. So we feel a bit wary about pursuing the angle we'll follow today. We do not wish to smear a person who may be innocent. But we do feel that the information we dug up warrants discussion. Unlike some other figures that have been dragged into the Delphi case, the clients of criminal records involving disturbing acts of sexual misconduct. That seems highly relevant to this case, more so than unhelpful side by side photo lineups, attempts at vocal comparisons, and nitpicking vague statements given out by the authorities. So we will proceed with the important caveat that nobody has been charged in this case and our justice system holds that everyone is innocent until proven guilty.
1: It was back in December of 2021 that the world at large first heard about Kagan Klein. The Indiana State Police released a short video suggesting that a social media account called Anthony Shots might possibly be linked to the Delphi murders. This account, they explained, Operated from 2016 to 2017 on platforms like Snapchat and Instagram. It's still photos of luxury cars and a known male model to catfish juvenile females. Within hours, Wish TV linked that profile to Kagan Klein, a man in his late 20s who was facing a slew of charges related to child sexual abuse materials.
0: Before we go any further, Let's quickly recap this case. Liberty German and Abigail Williams were two young girls from the city of Delphi in Indiana's Carroll County. On February 13th, 2017, these two friends hiked Delphi's forested trails and walked across the abandoned Monon High Bridge. Libby even posted an image of Abby making her way along it. A few minutes later, they ran into someone. A man. Libby recorded at least a portion of the encounter, but only a few moments of it have been released. The man calls them guys and tells them to go down the hill. We don't know exactly what happened next. But police believe that the person you just heard on that snippet of audio killed Libby and Abby. Authorities released grainy images of the man taken from Libby's video. And for a long time in the case, since April of 2019, when ISP released a new suspect sketch, authorities have been pretty silent.
1: Until, that is, the release of the information about Kagan Klein. Since that happened, some have been raising questions not just about Kagan, but also about his father, Jerry Anthony Klein, who goes by Tony Klein. It is, admittedly, somewhat unusual for the father of a person of interest in a criminal investigation to attract all that much attention. But there are actually a few good reasons why Tony Klein has captured the attention of students of this case.
0: That can be traced back to February 25th, 2017, less than two weeks after the murders of Libby and Abby. On that day, police executed a search warrant on a house owned by Tony Klein, a residence he apparently shared with his son, Kagan. The two men claimed to have recently returned from a short trip to Las Vegas.
1: During the search, police found a significant amount of child sexual abuse materials on electronic devices which they linked to Kagan Klein. According to the probable cause affidavit, one of those devices contained two profiles. One was Kagan Klein, and the other supposedly belonged to a young female identified as Kagan's stepsister. Let's quote from the document. Conversations were found on this device where the stepsister discussed how she had sex with Kagan and his father at the same time. Now, let's be clear. We don't know who exactly wrote about these sexual encounters, and we also do not know if they were real or simply a fantasy. But the existence of such conversations was enough to catch the eye of anyone following this case and that is far from all.
0: According to the probable cause affidavit, when police spoke with Kagan on the day of the search, he said something a bit odd. Let's quote the exact words from the document. Kagan stated he was fucked, and he should have left. Kagan advised he packed another bag and took it to Las Vegas. Kagan returned from Las Vegas on February 25th 2017, he stated he was going to leave when his dad was asleep.
1: Why did Kagan feel he could only leave when Tony Klein was asleep? Was he afraid of his father? Did his dad hold some sort of power over him? It seems strange. And here is something else. On August 11th 2018, Tony Klein posted about his son Kagan Klein on Facebook. My son is coming home for a week tomorrow, he wrote. Hasn't been home in two years. Can't wait to see him. Now here's the thing. We know that is not true. We know for a fact that Kagan, Klein, and Tony Klein were home together at the very least at the time of the 2017 search of their home. The lies a person chooses to tell can offer a glimpse into their real self a lie can reveal what a person thinks is important to have you believe about them. If, for instance, a man were to approach a woman at a bar and tell her he was a millionaire Hollywood casting scout, it would show us quite a bit about that man. But what, if anything, does Tony Klein's lie about not seeing his son for two years tell us about him? Why does he want us to believe he had not seen his son Since before the Delphi murders? We frankly don't know. But we decided it was time for us to take a much closer look at Tony Klein. And that meant driving all the way up to Peru, Indiana.
0: My name is Anya Kane.
1: And I'm Kevin Greenley.
0: And this is The Murder Sheet, a weekly true crime podcast.
1: Anya and I connected over the Burger Chef murders, a 1978 unsolved case involving the killings of four young restaurant employees.
0: Now we're looking to track restaurant homicides. To help us understand the patterns of these crimes, we created a spreadsheet of nearly a thousand eatery-related killings. The Murder Sheet. We'll be drawing on that data throughout Season 1 to give you a deep dive into Undercovered Crimes.
1: We're the Murder Sheet.
0: And this is the Delphi Murders, Father and Son. We started out by taking a rather basic step. We simply reached out to people who recently interacted with Tony Klein on social media. We heard back from two people who are not going to name out of respect for their privacy. The first person said they didn't know Klein very well, although they did know him to be a fan of car racing. The other person said positive things about Tony Klein who they said they've known for over a decade. They said he was a great guy who enjoys Harley Davidsons and hot rods, an assertion backed up by Klein's social media. He's posted photos of Jeep Wranglers and Ram trucks and motorcycles and all sorts of vintage vehicles painted in bright colors. This guy is definitely into cars, car shows, and car races. He's always been a great guy, and I'm really upset the son's sins will be blamed on the father, our source told us.
1: But, like a lot of people, Tony Klein has a side he doesn't let his friends see. He has a court record. Some of the things in it are frankly not too serious. Some minor traffic offenses, most of us have some of those. And some financial problems. And, of course, having money troubles is not a huge deal. Again, a lot of us struggle with things like that at one time or another in our lives. Tony Klein, though, also has a criminal record. It's not easy to get a look at it, either. In order to access the court records relating to his Miami County offenses, I actually had to drive all the way up to the courthouse in Peru, Indiana, on the day after a snowfall. Once I got to the courthouse, I headed for the clerk's office, Where a very helpful and patient staffer soon set me up on a computer monitor. While the citizens of Peru passed by paying court fines, I clicked through Tony Klein's entire record. While that search took a big chunk out of my day, I am very glad I made the effort to get up to Peru. Because when you take a look at the things Tony Klein has been charged with, it's hard not to notice a pattern a certain tendency towards targeting people who are women, sometimes even children.
0: Let's start, though, by discussing the one case that falls outside of that pattern. In March of 2008, Tony Klein was charged with two counts of felony theft. The court records on this case go on for 43 pages, but unfortunately, They don't reveal much more than the basic facts of the case. In essence, Tony Klein was accused of stealing money and or food from not one but two different pizza places Pizza Hut and Harvey Hinkle Myers. The theft from Harvey Hinkle Myers appears to have taken place on August 27th 2007. The theft from Pizza Hut on the other hand appears to have taken place on multiple occasions between July and September of 2007. Frustratingly enough, the files don't say much more than that, so we cannot be sure how exactly Tony Klein committed these thefts. The files don't say anything about a weapon, and so we can probably assume that the thefts were not something along the lines of an armed robbery, and probably more likely to involve something like credit card fraud. But since we don't know the details, all we can do is speculate. We've reached out to the two restaurants involved for comment, but they haven't gotten back to us. We do know, however, that Tony Klein reached a plea deal with prosecutors. They dropped the felony counts against him, and in return, he pled guilty to one count of theft as a misdemeanor. He also agreed to make restitution to Harvey Hinklemeyer's, In the amount of $50.75, and to Pizza Hut in the amount of $628.30. He was sentenced to a year in jail, which was suspended, and placed on non reporting probation.
1: Probation is, naturally, a much less serious punishment than imprisonment, but it carries with it some stringent requirements. must have been unpleasant for a man like Tony Klein we know for instance that he likes to travel to places like Florida and Las Vegas during the year of his probation he was not permitted to leave Indiana without first getting the permission of his probation officer from perusing his Facebook profile we also know that Tony Klein enjoys hunting during the time of his probation he was not allowed to possess a firearm or any other deadly weapon. These theft charges, then, were quite serious, and the resolution of them definitely adversely affected the quality of Tony Klein's life. But we, frankly, felt far more disturbed by some of the other offenses we found in his record. A weight loss journey can feel like a lonely struggle. But it doesn't have to be.
0: For so many of us, lifestyle changes, like deciding to lose weight, adopting a nutritious diet, and taking up fun exercises, are all about putting our own health and wellness first. But it can be really hard to know where to begin
2: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: On June 2nd, 2005, Tony Klein committed battery against a woman who is a few months older than he. We are going to refer to her as Amy, which is not her real name. We're not going to name any of the victims in this case out of respect for their privacy. The court documents again do not provide much in the way of detail to explain precisely what happened they only note that tony klein touched her in a rude insolent or angry manner to wit hit resulting in bodily injury to wit redness and or swelling and or abrasions and or bump to the forehead about the only other thing we know about this battery is that Tony Klein committed it in front of six witnesses, including Amy's 11-year-old daughter, who we will call Austin.
1: To us, the fact that a man assaults a woman at all tells us a great deal about what sort of a person he is. But when that man does it in front of so many people, it reveals even more. It may show that he feels strong and invulnerable empowered enough to believe he can commit a crime in front of a half-dozen witnesses and not have to worry about facing any legal consequences. Or, alternatively, it may show that when that man gets angry enough, he loses all control and commits acts of violence, even if he's in an environment where doing so might not be in his best interest.
0: In any case... Tony Klein was arrested within a few days of battering Amy. Shortly thereafter, he was released on bail. The court, though, issued an order forbidding him from having any contact whatsoever with Amy. It also forbade him from possessing firearms, deadly weapons, or ammunition.
1: As it turned out, this order did not go quite far enough. It did not say anything about Amy's 11-year-old daughter, Austin.
0: In July 2005, a little more than a month after she had been battered by Tony Klein, Amy filed a petition for a protective order to safeguard her 11-year-old daughter from the man. In that document, Amy indicated that Austin needed protection because Tony Klein had committed stalking against the child. Austin, of course, had witnessed the battery and so was aware of what Tony Klein was capable of. It is safe to assume she felt frightened of the man. One afternoon in July, according to Amy's petition, Mr. Klein and another man saw my daughter on her bike, followed her, stopped, and watched her. They were in his truck. According to Amy, this incident placed her child in fear of physical harm. Austin was afraid of what he might say or do since she saw the battery.
1: What kind of man tries to intimidate or scare or threaten an 11-year-old girl? Tony Klein, that's who.
0: The court responded positively to Amy's petition. They found that, by a preponderance of the evidence, Stalking had occurred, and that Tony Klein represents a credible threat to the safety of the petitioner or a member of the petitioner's household. They granted the protective order, therefore forbidding Tony Klein from having any contact with Amy or her daughter.
1: Tony Klein finally ended up admitting he battered Amy. It would have been difficult to deny it since he did it in front of so many witnesses he agreed to plead guilty. He was sentenced to one year in jail, but that sentence was suspended. He was then placed on probation for 345 days. The terms of the probation would be the standard ones routinely applied to all probationers, with one unique addition. As a specific term of probation, the court ruled, defendant Tony Klein shall enroll in and complete a course in anger management. So, this case and its disposition would seem to suggest that Tony Klein is capable of violence against women, of intimidating children, and needs help controlling his anger. But that is not the end of Tony Klein's criminal record.
0: In 2009, Klein was charged with a criminal misdemeanor. Not just any misdemeanor, He was charged with harassment, and we received the probable cause affidavit.
1: Here's the story. Back in 2008, women living in Tipton County and Howard County, Indiana, started to get rather disturbing calls. At least two women received these calls, but the court documents we examined focused on just one of them. We actually don't know her name from the records we saw. And even if we did, we wouldn't share it in order to protect her privacy. So let's just call her Holly. A person, a man, was ringing Holly up, and it wasn't to make small talk. This man would moan and make sexual sounds, giving off the impression he was masturbating. And, in case Holly didn't get the message, the caller would bluntly ask her to get him off.
0: Tony Klein became a suspect in the investigation, and, after his phone records were subpoenaed, he actually admitted to law enforcement that he was indeed making harassing phone calls. But seemingly, the calls continued. Holly got another one of the obscene calls in January 2009. She was pretty sure she recognized the voice, and so she directly asked the caller if he was Tony Klein. She had actually dated him for a few months back in 2007. The man on the phone admitted he was Tony Klein, and he told her he wanted her back. He called Holly twice more in late April, asking her to date him again. She told him no.
1: On May 6, 2009, to quote their probable cause affidavit, Holly received a call from a man who was moaning, breathing heavily, and who indicated he was masturbating. Once again, she recognized the voice. It was Tony Klein. Authorities went in and arrested him. He ended up facing harassment charges in both Howard and Tipton County. We have not yet been able to get detailed records on the Howard County charge. But we do know that Klein pled guilty to three counts of harassment there. He got sentenced to probation. The authorities in Timpton County dismissed the harassment charges against Tony Klein without prejudice. That basically means they reserved the right to refile the charges against him.
0: Tony Klein, in essence, forced the women he phoned to become part of his sexual fantasies. He made them become props, help him arouse himself so he could masturbate, or at least pretend to masturbate. His desire for his own pleasures mattered more to him than the feelings of the women he phoned. He did not care how they were affected by his behavior. These calls by Klein are therefore considered to fall into the category of non-contact sexual offenses. Even though he did not physically touch the women he phoned, he most certainly did commit sexual offenses against them.
1: Other non-contact sexual offenses would include things like exposing one's genitals to a stranger or viewing child sexual abuse materials. Interestingly enough, some of the actions Kagan Klein is accused of also fall into this category. Kagan, you will recall, is alleged to have used social media to trick or intimidate women and girls into providing him materials for his sexual gratification. That is not just a non-contact sexual offense. It also seems like a higher-tech version of what Tony Klein did when he called women and made them listen to him at least pretend to masturbate. People who commit non-contact sexual offenses, it is worth noting, can sometimes escalate their behavior and commit contact sexual offenses.
0: We started this research because we had questions about Tony Klein. And frankly, we still have questions, but now we all know more about him than we did before. We know he called up women and made them listen to him as he tried to gratify himself. We know he battered a woman in front of her 11-year-old child and then proceeded to intimidate that child. We know that the court felt he needed a course in anger management. We are very interested in hearing what you think all this means.
1: To give us your opinion, we understand that you will need as much information as possible. We realize that sometimes it is frustrating when the media shares snippets of court documents without releasing them in their entirety. Because of that, we are going to post all of the court documents we referred to in this episode on the Murder Sheet Discussion Group on Facebook. These documents will include the Kagan Klein Probable Cause Affidavit, the Jerry Klein Probable Cause Affidavit from Tipton County, documents related to the theft charges, and documents related to the battery charge and protective order.
0: In order to protect the privacy of Tony Klein's victims, we will redact their names and identifying information from the documents that we share, as well as Klein's personal information that could allow someone to steal his identity. Other than that, we are sharing these files exactly as they appear in the court record.
1: Before I left Peru, I drove by the house that's come to hold a special significance in this case, the house that we mentioned in the very beginning of this episode where authorities conducted a search on February 25th, 2017, a home where Tony and Kagan Klein lived together. It's a modest building, nothing too special about it. From the outside, the Kleins also looked normal, like just another father and son, if we didn't know about the connection to Delphi. There was no movement in or around the house. A single trail of large footprints dotted the snow, from the street up to what looked like a latticed front porch. That was the only sign of life.
0: Thanks to Christy Crawford, the Tipton County Circuit Court Clerk, who was super helpful and prompt with our records request. We also appreciate the help we received from Sherry Raber and her team in the Miami County Clerk's Office. Debbie Stewart, the clerk of the Howard County Court, let us know after we contacted her that she will soon place the records of Tony Klein's Howard County harassment case online. When she does that, we will share it with you on our Facebook discussion page.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Murder Sheet. As always, thanks to Kevin Tyler Greenlee, who composed the music for The Murder Sheet and who you can find on the web at kevintg.com.
0: To keep up with the latest on The Murder Sheet, please make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Murder Sheet and on Facebook at M-Sheet podcast, or by searching Murder Sheet. If you enjoy listening to The Murder Sheet, please leave us a five-star review to help us gain more exposure and send tips, suggestions, and feedback to murdersheet at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening.
2: Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.